back in 2021, I was enjoying chasing rare birds a lot. On the Harris' Sparrow, I met William Conzi, then later I met Ezra, and Ezra announced that he was going to do an Ontario big year, and I thought maybe I should do a big year as well. At first, this was not like a competitive thing, I just wanted to reach 300. The birds I had between me and Susan Nagy kept, kept on one-upping each other or like tying with each other. But yeah, we were just almost close, and that, that put in a lot of pressure. I noticed that I swapped with Ezra, Kaya, and William. Wanted to end with them as a group, so like, but I also had to juggle work and school, which made it really tough and stressful. Hello, Big Ear Birding fans! I'm Robert Bomander, and this is the Big Ear Podcast, and I am sitting in my basement studio, which is actually an office, talking to my iPad, and getting you all set for the next in the five-part series of the Big Year Birders of Ontario in 2022. My good friend Andy is a birder I met back in 2021, and we both lived uh, locally in, in Brantford, Ontario. We met at the foot of Scarf Avenue, staring at gulls in the Grand River. I believe it was either a California or Glaucus Rain Gull. I think it was a California gull, actually. We didn't even know who the other one was until a little while later when we started birding together and I realized, hey, you're the guy in the mask uh, during COVID that I met. And we've had a great birding friendship ever since. And we started chasing rarities all throughout 2021. And I told him about my Canada Big Year in 2022. And he knew of a couple of guys and gals who were doing Ontario Big Years in 2022 as well. And he decided to get in on the action, even though he had to work full time and he was a student and he had a limited budget and a limited ability to travel completely on his own. But what a lot of these Ontario birders did was team up with other birders and they were able to get to a lot of places this past year and some of them set records and some of them just had personal best years and that is the story of Andy and we're going to get right into his podcast interview. We did this quite a while ago on the phone just after the 2022 big years that took place in Ontario and in my case in Canada. So bear with the audio, bear with me, bear with my inability to sometimes get a proper question out, but it's all part of the fun and it's all part of the Big Year Podcast. Take care and enjoy the show. My guest today is another Big Year Birder here in Ontario, one of the top five that we've been talking to, Andy Wynn, and welcome to the show, Andy. Hey. I met you, I believe, during the winter of COVID or the spring of COVID in 2021. Yeah. We have a great gull viewing place here in Brantford and it's on the Grand River and we were looking for a California gull and I didn't get it and I don't think you got it. That not get it. What I do remember about that day is that there was a yellow-browed warbler in Mississauga and we were all standing there deciding whether or not we should keep looking for the California gull or take a chance that the other one was going to be seen. Yeah, the thing about that was uh, this is the time where I was not interested in chasing crazy rare birds. But yeah, like that was as soon as I heard about that, I was like, oh, that's really neat. But I decided not, I decided I didn't want to like drive all the way to Burlington. It was not even far at all, but at the time I just wasn't confident enough with like going you, far. You hadn't spent enough time with me chasing at that point. 
Oh yeah. After that, yeah, I think that was fall of 2021 when we started chasing things together. Yeah, and I think at that time, because of COVID, you were wearing a mask, so I had no idea that you were the same person eventually that I met later. Yeah. So. We chased a few gulls in Brantford, and then as the year went on, I was doing a Brant County big year in 2021, and you started getting more into it too, and we started doing yeah. a lot of chasing together. And how did that evolve into you deciding you wanted to do a big year in 2022? Had you already known that Kaya and Ezra were going to do big years, or was that something you felt like you just wanted to try? So at first, it was something that I wanted to try because I noticed that I was filling up my Ontario list and I was back in 2021. I was enjoying chasing rare birds a lot. And on the Harris Sparrow, I met William Conzi, then later I met Ezra. And Ezra announced that he was going to do a, an Ontario big year. And I thought maybe I should do a big year as well, but not at the same scale as he's doing it. Maybe I'll just stick to a small area in Ontario or I'll just try to stop it at 300 species. So my original goal was just 300 species mm. in Ontario. But it went way beyond that. Y'all did. <laughs> Everyone yeah. got close to or past the all-time record, which means it was a really good year for birds. And a lot of the competition also spurred you, I think. Yeah, it was, I was very closely. The amount of birds I had between me and Susan Nagy, kept, we kept on one-upping each other or like tying with each other. But yeah, we were just always close and that, that put in a lot of pressure. But at first... This is not like a competitive thing. I just wanted to reach 300. But what drove me to make it competitive was that I noticed that when I checked the top 100 on the bird for Ontario birders in 2022, I noticed that I saw with Ezra, Kaya, and William. And we became pretty close friends during this big year. So yeah, I decided to keep going and I wanted to end with them as a group. So my goal after that was fourth place. Yeah, but I also had to juggle work in school which made it really tough and stressful that is probably the toughest thing about doing a big year when you're employed or in school is the nagging thought that you're missing something because you're in the middle of making enough money to pay for the next bird which is always a, a tricky situation were there any times where you were torn between what you had to do and what you wanted to do yeah, my biggest defeat, I think, was the caucus wing doll. What happened was I just finished the northern trip, and I really, like, I guess I made a deal with my boss that I could have a week off just to do the northern trip. And then I came back, and then when I came back, everyone was going out to see the caucus wing gull in Brantford. I was stuck in London working, and then I decided, you know what, maybe this weekend I'll try to catch it. So I came back to Brantford on a weekend, and I didn't really see news about it, so I decided to just drive right over to Pickering and try to get a try to get the black throat gray warbler which i did get okay i decided to i got news while i was there that it was being seen the glaucuswing gull so i decided to drive back to brantford and when i got back to brantford i think i think it went away for a bit so i assumed they would come back later so i decided to just take lunch and then i headed over there and it was pretty much over like it was not there anymore there were no more like new gulls and the rest of the week i went back to london for work and it was being seen again next week, and I was stuck in London. I couldn't talk to my boss and tell him, oh, can I take these dates off, or can I take this specific day off? I already took a whole week off, and right. I, I, 
also start getting suspicious. So yeah, I had to watch the chat as everyone kept on saying, oh, it's being seen right now. Oh, look at this. Great views. Wow. Great pictures and everything. Yes. I've heard about it many a time. The fact that I live literally around the corner from Scarf Avenue where the Glaucus Wing Gull, then the California Gull, and even at one point in 2021, Common Gull were being seen. All yeah. three of those Less than 10 minutes from my house, I missed. Oh. Missing it as a local is probably even more defeating than missing it as someone who is distracted with other, I wouldn't say more important things, but things that you were obliged to do. Yes. In terms of the travel, how did you plan it? Were you using Ezra, Kaya, and William as the guiding principle behind what you did? Yeah, what happened was, this is, this is also my first time ever doing any sort of big year. William was the guy I was pretty much working with the most for this. Yeah, we he'd always give me all these different suggestions, which dates are the best to go to birds and everything, and which places are the best and what time of the year. So we'd be planning like, these trips together. I'd be planning um, these weeks I could take off from work so I can go to like places like Point Pewley and that. And but yeah, Point Pili is like also another story, which like I ended up still missing a few things. What was your favorite trip of the year and most memorable for birds and also for the conditions in which you traveled? I know that I've heard some stories from Kai and Ezra of sleeping in the car in minus 45 with sleeping bags that were rated to minus 40. <laughs> so I think my, I have, I think two of the big trips are were my favorite there's one to begin the year we did a northern trip we went to northern ontario northeastern ontario and this trip i for the first time saw black backed woodpeckers and american three-toed which are things i wanted to see another up there was the northern hawk owl and the great gray owl those are really fun to watch and uh, oriole chickadee yeah those are really cool and another one the other trip we took during the summer was the rainy river trip and that's like the western border of ontario basically what's really cool about that place is like you get birds that you normally see in the west like eared grebe black-billed magpie western meadowlark those are some ones name and we even got like glimpses of franklin's gulls and that was that was super cool mm -hmm. and that's probably breeding plumage franklin yeah. gulls too yeah. that's the excitement of going up north in the summer is it's not just gulls in their winter plumage that we see on the Niagara River, but it's birds that really have that great look that you see in the field guides, which you don't always see when you're birding gulls in the winter in southern Ontario. Did you experience some bitter cold days that you thought, I wasn't prepared for this, I never expected to be standing in minus 40 waiting to see one stupid little bird yeah there's we're so there's just one day we drove all the way up to ottawa this is during march i believe drove all the way up to ottawa to try to find a pink footed goose among tens of thousands of snow geese and <laughs> candy geese and that didn't go out very well i was not prepared everything was just very annoying because we were all extremely tired from being awake very early and like i didn't have enough layers and so like it was pretty cold and windy in some parts of the day and we're just getting through all these geese and no luck at all but it was really fun to see like a ton of like snow goose yes i did that trip about five years ago to look for a pink-footed goose in ontario in probably very similar field and again like you i was not prepared for that and it was just i could say, even say the word annoying just to be looking at 
every single Canada goose and we didn't even yep. have a field of snow geese to to enjoy on that day but those are some of the ones that you can look back on and think I'm glad I did that but at the time you're not very happy yes yeah we were also like too focused on finding the birds rather than taking care of ourselves like mm. I was I was like getting really like cranky and everything and I was also extremely dehydrated because like I was out of water to drink so one of the things that also takes me off a little bit but it was, it still paid off to see all these geese and getting some more snow geese as well. Those are really neat. Yeah, I was on my way back from New Brunswick at, toward the end of November. And there was a, in, this was in Quebec, there was a rare goose amongst a big crowd of snow geese. But I wasn't prepared for it when I got to this river. And there had to have been 50,000 snow geese. Holy river and it was just phenomenal so much so that i didn't even regret that i didn't see the bird that i had actually gone there for but uh, it was a tundra bean goose and i'm sure it was in there somewhere <laughs> but yeah. you, when you have that many snow geese and it is packed in between 20 of them in the middle of the river you're not going to necessarily see it and it's not your necessarily your fault just like that pink-footed goose it could have been there but when you're under pressure, when there's when you're freezing, you're not happy to be there. Sometimes you just have to move on and say, just can't get everything. How did you feel about not being able to get everything? Was not there a point in the year where you were more accepting of it than you were maybe at the beginning of the year? Yeah, I think there's it's for certain species. Like I was just unhappy about not being able to get the Glaucus wing gall. Like it was there when I was there. If I stayed in Brantford on that one day instead of went going for the Black-throated gray warbler. I could have gone for that black-throated gray some other time. It stuck around for quite a while. So yes, and like after the week of seeing everybody like report about it, I decided to go back to Brantford one more time again for a weekend. But it was it stopped being seen after like that week. So that was the worst for me. Another one that I am upset with not seeing was uh, Mississippi kite. This this was like on luck because the weeks I chose to go to Peely so I could take off from work the the, the week that it like was occurring at Peely. So. They were seeing one or two almost every day, and this one week I was at Peely for. And after that, they were just not coming anymore. So Peely was like almost a loss for me, but still, I learned a lot there. And it was still fun watching like the reverse migration happening. Mm -hmm. Talking to one of the guides at Peely just early in the Mississippi kite migration, and at the, I had no idea that was I was there at the time that the kites were coming. And he said, oh, yeah, you better watch the skies because you're going to, the Mississippi kites are flying over the visitor center at this time of year. And I said, great. I kept my head like this the entire morning. Sue wasn't even with me. She decided to go to a seminar by Gene Iron. So I just went for a walk in the woods and I was on my way back to the visitor center to pick her up. And the kite just flew right over the visitor center. And if that guide had not told me, I wouldn't have been looking for them. And that was the only one I saw all year. Like you said, it is luck. If I had not been told to keep my eye on the sky, I wouldn't have seen it. Yeah. Most people are pretty strategic with it because you can... I think it's usually like the second week of May is usually when like they start occurring. Sometimes it's not like that. Another bird that I regret missing was Northern Gossock. There was, I had so much opportunity to go out for it. So the best, the easiest time to get one is during fall hawk migration. Yeah. It doesn't have 
doesn't matter which date it is. Like, doesn't matter which how the age. As long as it's a Gosshawk, it's a Gosshawk. So anyway, during I think it was early October. No, early like late September to early October. Mm-hmm. That was like the and I was in urgent need of a Northern Gosshawk. And I asked around. I asked Kaya and William to see what their take is for it. Kaya told me specifically go to a Hawk Watch maybe in Toronto or that area because there seems to be like higher occurrences. And on that day, I was looking at the traffic to drive there. I was like, darn, it might be too late for that if I don't get there. So I decided to look at Hawk Cliffs, North Gossock reports during that mm-hmm. time. They seemed pretty okay too. To me, they seemed okay. So I decided to use this in Elgin County. And I was there all day. We saw almost every kind of hawk except for Northern Gossock. What Toronto, how Toronto did. And uh, it looked like they didn't get any either until later there was like a listing set at Rosetta and Cling where they got one. And for those days, I was, for the next weekends, I was too busy to go anywhere. But on the weekend, I was able to go to Rosetta McLean. I went there, but this is like during the, you know, it was no longer the peak of Hawk migration. So we went there and it was extremely slow. And all day, I was just watching with the main guy who always goes there, Owen Strickland, young birder, very well-known Toronto birder. And he, we were there all day. We did not get a single gossock. And he said, yeah, this is the first time I did not get a gossock here <laughs> isn't it always the thing it's always someone who tells you that you're going to see a bird in this spot on this day at this time and then you don't see it and they say wow that's the first time we never saw one <laughs> yeah so there there was and it is a reliable spot people are always taking pictures and like reporting them there yeah so- you made the right decisions you can't in that case you really can't regret be not seeing it because they are in that area at that time and you can pick any hawk watch and be right or wrong on any given day yeah it is a tough one what about the probably the most unexpected and favorite two or three birds you saw now obviously we're all saying the marsh sandpiper I'm about to say that. <laughs> and everyone I've talked to, when I ask them their best year, bird of the year in Ontario, it's always the marsh sandpiper. But let's get, take that as given and go for something else that you were hoping for and did see or something you wouldn't even have contemplated seeing. Oh, man, there's a lot of stuff. Not entirely sure. Maybe like for on the first day, it was boreal owl for me. Even though they're, depending on the winter, they might be more southern or sticking to the north, but anyways, on my first on my first day of the big year, I decided to go with Kaya, Ezra, and Nathan Hood and William, and we were all over Niagara, and then we got news about a boreal. I'm like, oh darn! I didn't expect to ever see these like easily in in a long time or ever. I thought I'd have to do my own separate trip one these years and go f- try to hunt for one. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that was my first time. We went to Fifty Point, and we were one of the first to see it, and I was right there. It was inside spruce tree and really bold looking owl and slightly bigger than a northern sawwet but yeah was... you got your sawwet owl that day too yeah exactly yeah that place just seemed really good for them that was i mean one of my best days ever was the day that i went finally for the boreal owl and getting a long-eared owl a sawwet owl and a boreal owl in southern ontario on the same day is pretty cool yeah i think that could be like the only unexpected bird I was late for the first few days of the boreal owl at 50 point. And then I just kept my ear to the ground, just hoping someone would finally call me and say, I got, we, we got the boreal owl and a Toronto birder who I know from Colonel Sam finally 
got in touch with me and said and gave me told me where to go because it wasn't in the original location and i kept going to the original location looking for it almost every day paying what 15 dollars every time to to look for it and then finally when he saw it i finally got there and it was way out by the on the opposite side of the marina in the other side of the park and near the water near the lake so that's where i finally got it and that was one of the birds I really wanted to get then instead of just hoping that I got one in November. Thankfully, so many birders were up on that boreal owl because that was I one I completely forgot about because it was January and probably one of my favorite birds in retrospect now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah. You just don't get them here. What about the burrowing owl? Tell me the story of the burrowing owl. Whole fiasco. Yeah, I was, I was looking at going to visit on some days, but... At the time, I was also too busy with work in London, so I still kept like my updates on it. But yeah, it was always there during times where I couldn't make it. So yeah, I, I wish I saw it. Only a select few people saw it. I don't know if every, if everyone in the group. Out of, yeah, of the top five, do you know who, if they all got there on time for it? No, I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think it. I think it was Wait. literally only the people that were in Toronto near Tommy Thompson for those two days yeah because when i went it had been seen that morning and then i stayed till mid-afternoon and didn't see it and then i think it was only ever seen once again like a couple weeks later i was glad that i didn't need that one because i saw them by the twos and threes and with babies in burrows in saskatchewan full experience yeah you need to do that trip at some point if you can get there because it's the neatest place. It's of not just the burrowing owls, but prairie dogs. Oh, those are cool. And it's like a community. They all have their little homes, little family units, and they all have their little burrows. And what happens is that the next spring, before they start creating family burrows again, the burrowing owls take over the burrows. And sometimes the prairie dogs stand guard on the top of their burrows to make sure the owls don't take them. <laughs> it's quite, it's almost like a TV show watching this soap opera of the, the prairie dogs and the burrowing owls. I actually have a, I finally thought of a bird to add to your previous question about unexpected. I, do you remember hearing about the dove key? Yes, I do remember the dove key, yes. Uh, that's the other one. <laughs> People know about dove keys and they know that they sometimes get into Quebec. So maybe you never know. One day one will come to Ontario. How did you end up getting it? Yeah, it was, here's a story. I woke up on, I think this is a Saturday. Yeah, this is, so I woke up on a Saturday. This is like two, the weekend before my math exam on Monday. And I was just getting ready to study, write up my cheat sheet that I was allowed. And then William calls me and says, yo, Annie, are you available right now? I'm like, I'm a little busy. I'm trying to create a cheat sheet for a math exam. He was like, dude, you need to bring your butt to Toronto right now. To Asperger's Bay. And I was like, why? What's there? What's there? I haven't checked my Discord yet. Dove key. I'm like right now driving. I'm on my way. <laughs> and then I was just like debating between or or going for the spirit. I'm like, it's the freaking dove key. There's, this might be like the first time in Toronto or this far south. Something like that. And yeah, I drove. There, I got there pretty early. I, was, I didn't get there early, but there was already people there who saw it and are still looking for others who are joining in. I saw it. It was just a tiny little like, seabird. It's the tiniest little seabird, isn't it? It's like a little toy football. Yeah, exactly. Tiny thing. And it was really cute. 
got some okay shots of it, but it's fun to watch. My goal on January 1st this year was in, I was in Nova Scotia and at the expense of every other bird, the bird I wanted to see that day was a dove key. And I ended up seeing it at sunset on January 1st, just about four o'clock, three o'clock, just before it got dark. And that was, that made my day. And I can imagine how even more exciting it was to see one here in Ontario. Yeah. I was going to do that. That's another one I was going to go and look at because I, I flew into Toronto at and my plane landed about two o'clock and I thought, oh, you know what? There's plenty of daylight. I can go for that dove key and get it for my Ontario list. But I then realized that it by the time I was in my car, it was three o'clock and oh. going to Ashbridge's Bay in Toronto from Pearson Airport at three o'clock was not the wisest decision. So that would have yeah. been, if that was a bird that I needed, I'd have fought the traffic, but was glad I did. I could just go home because I, at that point in the year, I was pretty tired and I was just wanting to yeah. almost give it up. At what, did you get to a point where you felt like you wanted to stop chasing or just say, you know what, I can't go for every bird and be happy with where you were? Or was that getting into fourth place that much, that important to you, even in late December? Fourth place was very important to me, but there was definitely a time where I was like starting to lose my, like, I wasn't trying as much anymore and I didn't want to try more, but I still kept on thinking about, no, the fourth, the list needs to look proper. So here, I think December, all of December was when I was just starting to lose my flame. Mm-hmm. I was just not want to do this anymore because, you know, this is really, this could Depending on how you do a big year, it can be really tough on your mental health. And uh, I was just really stressed with adjusting school life while trying to complete my big year and try to get to the certain spot on the list. And uh, towards the end was when I was like, just not really in it as in it anymore. Yeah. And that's, I think that is the one thing that people who have never done big years before don't realize they think it's going to be lots of fun and adventure and excitement and they're into these eight hour drives crappy hotels sleeping in the car eating in bad restaurants or crappy takeout and cold food and you you start saying what the hell did i get myself into exactly and so you do have to be prepared for the mental game because it really is especially if you're trying to win one and both kaya and ezra felt that pressure kaya obviously because he was the front runner ezra came, i think came to terms with that he was in, yeah. in second and just be happy with the fact that he accomplished what he did and how do you look back on it as your accomplishment and how do you think that has helped you grow as a person and maybe how you become a better birder in the future yeah i i guess like discovering these different like skills like i guess side skills when it comes to birding like lake watching maybe trying to identify birds that are flying by during reverse migration. That was definitely new. That was new for me. And there are these things I just looking back on that I am now going to for future years, I'm going to try to focus more on those and try to get better at these things mm-hmm. and maybe become more of an asset during these lake watches, help people out better or be able to help people out. But right now I'm just like, I'm pretty new to that stuff. And it's just really tough to like identify birds that are very fun. Like watch. It's definitely a skill if that you, if you can acquire, it makes lake watching a lot more fun i do not have that skill and i also don't have that desire so much to do lake watching i have done it when the only way i'm going to get that specific bird like the sabian's gull i'll do it but do that yeah 
I spent way too long looking for long-tailed Jaegers. Did you guys get Smith's Longs for this year? Uh, no, but we were, we tried keeping an eye out, though. We had one, although only one person saw it in the winter of 2021 in the Grand County. Did you go looking for that one? When we had all the long spurs there, we had tons of long spurs there and one Smith's long spur. But yeah, this was before I started like actively trying to fill my list and chasing things. Yeah, so probably more in that, that spring and summer when we started going out more often. It was, I think it was January when the Smith's long spur was there in 2021 that all of us Brant County birders went for and only one guy saw it. And you, as that farm country in winter can be bitterly cold and the wind just whips through and it was just a, a horrible day to try and look for one, <laughs> one bird. Be able to like just tough through the weather sometimes. Anything else you want to add about doing big years or advice for anybody who feels like they want to do a big year, but maybe do have a full-time job or are going to school, how would you suggest they do it? And what would you have changed if you knew what it was going to be like? First of all, it's a good, if you're, depending on the type of big year, if you're doing like a, I don't know, provincial big year or statewide big year, I guess it's it's still an adventure with all the trips you're going through. And yeah, you actually do. And you're, when you're looking at, like when you're looking for a rare bird, it is also a really good way to make connections because you're going to be meeting a lot of people there, all these different birders. And again, yeah, it's an adventure. And the best way to find birds goes is to go as many places as possible. person told me that a while back. And I did that. And yeah, this I learned a lot too. You do build new skills or begin new skills when you're doing a big year. There's also the health aspect of it and mental health aspect. So depending on how you're doing it, if you're getting competitive and you have other commitments, it's better to be careful. Maybe lower the bar a little bit, so like more manageable, And which I barely did. But there were a lot of times where it was just not good, like mentally. And I still ended up seeing so many things that I didn't imagine seeing in a long time. And it was really fun. And you also could sometimes team up with others who are doing big years too, which also, which is pretty much why I did. Yeah, did that help when the bunch of you did some traveling together? Did that contribute to your budget being able to be extended a little bit longer? Yes. That also helped a lot too, like with the carpooling and everything. And also maybe these other people that you're teaming up with could be more experienced than you. So they can give you really good pointers on like migration paths or times of the years to go to certain places, certain conditions to go to places like wins and all that but also yeah when it comes to budget too make sure you have a proper budget before you can go for me i was i was employed at the time like during my first half of the big year so i was able to like stay like not broke and it helped a lot yeah money as i discovered is the limiting factor sometimes and i did i know that ezra and kaya went into a little bit of debt how about yourself did you stick with um, the money that you had? I didn't end up sticking with it, but I was very close. Like I've in three years, I've never seen my bank account so low. I haven't reached going bankrupt yet, but I'd, I've gone pretty darn close. Mm-hmm. And especially with school at the second half of my big year, unemployed. So yeah, I was like trying to be careful with how much I spent on gas. But usually we have to spend more because we're trying to finish this up strong. Yeah, yeah. The middle of the year, gas prices just became ridiculous. That almost made me start second guessing some of my trips because it was costing $120 to fill my tank. That was just crazy. And I was, and I didn't have carpooling to, to help me out. That's crazy. 
it was actually on December 30th and I knew there was one more bird that I could go chase and that was in Newfoundland. I could get a flight and I could get there on the evening of the 30th in a car and drive to the place where that bird is on December 31st and then fly home that evening or the next morning. And then I just started thinking, you know, I've already spent all the money is one bird, one more bird and all that stress for the last 24 hours. Or do I just want to drive home and enjoy last day? And that's what I did. I just said, you know what? That's exactly what I did too. I always kept, stayed connected with the communications. So yeah, the Ontario birding discord, I stayed that and I still kept now to see if there's anything I need to travel for, but for much of the day, there was nothing. So I decided to keep it local and maybe redeem myself with a Glockers Wind Golf. Because a couple of weeks before that, I actually did revisit Brantford. And at the time, I was pretty much in my winter break, finished my exams. So yeah, during that day, I just went to the usual spots where the gulls would hang out during the, like near the dump. And that day, the, the, the lake there was frozen. So I was in expecting too many gulls, so I decided to head over to Scarp Ave, and there still wasn't anything there, so we decided just to go home and just celebrate the New Year. I ran into you and Susan there. That was the first time I think I for sure knew that who Susan was. I don't know if I've run into her before, but probably in Pili, but I didn't really feel like we had met until that day. That was late on December 30th from Sudbury. Yeah. But we still did end the year very strong with a Jer Falcon. Me, William, and Ezra desperately need one. So yeah, we went all the way to, like, we went around Eastern Ontario. Like, at first it was just me and William. And we checked all these different, all the back roads and everything with, like, big fields. And we had nothing. But the next day of searching, Ezra decided to join us. So we let him join us. And we went all around this whole area. And I, we took turns driving, and when I was driving, I saw this one road. It looked, it looked interesting. It had the right habitat and everything, mm-hmm. like most of the area did. But I just chose this road for whatever reason. So we stopped there. We see a whole flock of snow buntings and Lapland long spurs. There was just one inside the flock, and uh, Ezra wanted to see one, so we decided to just stop on the road. We friends were scanning through these flocks of snow buntings, and we looked around. And when I was looking around, I noticed in the distance there's a big flock of candy geese and i'm like oh great this is a perfect situation for a jura falcon to just swoop in and try to catch one of these and yeah while i was da- i was daydreaming just thinking about that i just looked around again and i looked in front of us so it was like 300 meters there's a hydro pole where there i see a falcon just sitting on there this huge field sized falcon and then i'm just in so much shock i look at my binoculars i'm like oh th- there's a falcon and then i was like oh crap jura falcon <laughs> and then i was just like what and we're all extremely excited and just watching this thing trying to get as many pictures as possible without disturbing it and then we later realized we saw a carcass of canada goose like in the distance in the field over there it could have been on there the whole time yeah it was super great experience i think it was my last new bird i think the last days before the 31st i also did try looking for a goshawk didn't end up too well with that but yeah it was i think i think a gear file if i had to choose between Jeer Falcon and a Gosshawk being my last bird of the year, I'll take the Jeer Falcon every time. They're really tough to find. Yeah. And the thing about it is mostly it's people who most yeah, most people just see a Gosshawk first, then later a Jeer Falcon, but me, I'm like the other way around. I saw and I did not see any Gosshawks even after that. So and you'll probably see two or three Gosshawks next year. 
Yeah, let's hope so. I'll definitely go to a proper like hawk watch at a proper time. I'm glad you got to share your story with me and I will see you out there on the trails, but thanks for taking the time. I really appreciate it. And it was fun to learn about birding more on a budget and more with time constraints as much as hearing about people who have unlimited time and unlimited money because that's easy it's doing what you did is real work and i appreciate what you were able to accomplish the top five is pretty impressive yeah thank you and thanks for having me on thank you take care bye-bye well i hope you enjoyed my little conversation with my little friend andy we have a great time when we're out birding he can hear things that I cannot because he has young ears and I have old decrepit ears that can't hear almost nothing without my hearing aids. And even with them, it's kind of hard anyway. So whenever we're together, he makes the bird lists and shares them with me. And then I just tick off the things I actually know I heard and saw and delete all the things he was able to hear that I wasn't able to hear. Next episode, we will catch up with William Kahn's who... Konzu, Ponzu, Konzu, William Konzi, who did his own big year in 2022 in Ontario and spent a lot of time traveling around with Andy and also Ezra and Kaya as we continue to explore the birders of the Ontario big year in part three of this Ontario big year podcast. Join me next time and Hope you enjoyed this episode, and I hope you enjoy all the episodes. Well, we have lots of good uh, Big Ear Burgers coming up in the next few months, so stay tuned, and as always, may the birds be with you.